Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. It's 2011. This is Stuff You Should Know. 2011. Our first one. Man, we've been doing this for years, like four, seven, eight years, something yeah, like that. I think it's our 12th year. Yeah. Overall. We've, we've been doing it since 99. 99. Yeah. Ever since everybody's worried about black helicopters. <laughs> yeah, and that was our our second podcast, I think, was on uh, the Y2K bug, wasn't it? It was. That was Didn't crazy. that pan out to be almost nothing? I know. You know, the iPhone has a uh, a bug, like a Y2K bug that's left over. If oh, you the don't alarm have clock thing? your yeah, yeah, apparently that's a a Y two K grandkid. Well, I think if you're depending on your iPhone to wake you up, then well, I don't know. I, I do. People, do you? I don't use anything but. Well, look at you. So I'm a 2011 man. Yeah, future man, Omega man. <laughs> Chuck, yes. <laughs> you ever heard of a uh, little condition called amblyopia? No. Amblyopia is also unfortunately referred to as lazy eye. Ah, yes, then yes. And um, I used to uh, have a friend in college named Grant, and Grant um, did not have amblyopia unless he'd been drinking. <laughs> and like you could tell how much Grant had drunk depending on right. how pronounced his amblyopia was. Yeah. And I didn't know I knew Grant for a while before I finally noticed this, and it was. Surprising when I finally did, and he's like, "Yeah, it happens sometimes." So. <laughs> did you ever take English from that guy at Georgia that had the Michael Jordan? There was an, there was an English teacher named Michael Jordan, and no. he had a lazy eye. And like on the first day of class, he said, "This is the eye that's looking at you," mm-hmm. just to clear it up. Yes, because his was like, as my friend Guy called it, a disco eye. It was way out of whack. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. See, I have a soft spot for people with uh, strabismus, which is any kind of um, you know, wall-eyed, lazy-eyed, yeah. cross-eyed. Disco-eye. I've never heard that one before, but same thing, right? Yeah. I actually wrote a pretty cool blog post on it once you should check it out. All right. Strabismus, blogs at HowStuffWorks. It should bring it up, right? Yeah. But, Chuck, um, I recently ran across an article that showed a study of kids aged 7 to 12 years with mm-hmm. amblyopia, mm-hmm. right? were cured of their lazy eye through acupuncture. Really? Yeah. And this is a this is an accredited article uh-huh. in the Archives of Ophthalmology, which is a publication of the American Medical Association. Wow. And basically they had a control group, which was kids who uh, had their eye patched, their, I guess, dominant or good eye, mm-hmm. non-lazy eye, patched for two hours a day, which I guess kind of forces the lazy eye to, to correct itself. Right. That's the pretty standard treatment. Or the other group um, were given acupuncture five times a week. What a cruel study. <laughs> we're going to fix you kids, but we're, we're hoping you don't show any improvement. You, you would think so, but get this. The kids who had their eye patched, um, 16.7% had a- their amblyopia resolved. Really? Forty-one point five percent had their amblyopia resolved in the acupuncture alone group. What was it again? Sixteen percent. Sixteen. Forty-one percent. Yeah, that is huge. Huge. Um, But you'll note my my incredulousness. Yeah, Um, when I was saying no, this was published in a respectable journal, right? Right. That's because this podcast was recorded in the West. Yeah. Eastern medicine is still poo-pooed in many circles around here. It is, but with acupuncture specifically. 
this is one of those um those things that has made the crossover largely into the West, mm-hmm. and it kind of has you know Western thought puzzle a little bit like what's going on with this right um and there's well let's talk about both approaches to acupuncture like explaining what's going on because one of the um the the predominant thoughts about uh, acupuncture is that it works somehow. Yeah. Right? So if you're Chinese, Chuck, how does acupuncture work? Uh, if you're Chinese, Josh, you believe uh, that the, your body has the yin and the yang, a couple of opposing forces. Yep. And that your body has a an energy uh, running through it called uh, qi, even though it's spelled Q-I. And that when your body is in balance, and we've talked about balance and uh, what, homeostasis and all that in, in the East. Right. Then you have good qi, energy's flowing. Mm-hmm. When things get blocked up, that means your chi is blocked, that means the yin and the yang fall out of balance, and that means you get sick. Right, and your energy flows along pathways in the body called meridians, right? Yeah. And you've got, I think, a dozen of them. Yeah, from point to point. We'll get to the acupoints later, but... uh, Right. So these, well, let's get to them now. The acupoints are, there's 2,000 of them. Later. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There's 2,000, no. right? Yeah, yeah. Along these 15 meridians, there's, a, I think, 12 a total, meridians, right? 12 meridians, yeah. I'm sorry. There's a total of 2,000 little points, and mm-hmm. these are acupoints. And some of them co- correspond to, like, that part of your body. Yeah. And others correspond to others. And, and uh, like you said, we'll get into a little a little more later on. But the point being, mm-hmm. energy flows along these meridians. Yep. It can get blocked at these points. If you manipulate these points, the chi flows freely, and... Yin and yang are balanced, and you may have a bad tattoo as a result. Yeah. Stimulate. Stimulate these points. And there's lots of ways to do that. Well, wait, wait. What happens if you are in the West? How does acupuncture work? Well, in the West, they would say that it uh, stimulates the central nervous system, releases hormones, neurotransmitters, boosts the immune system, dulls pain, stuff like that. Gotcha. So, you know, same thing. Same result. Two it, ways of explaining it. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think. So, Chuck, um, you mentioned that this was Chinese, didn't you? Ancient Chinese. Right. Where did it come from? How long has it been around? Uh, Well, more than 2,500 years in China, and it's rooted in Taoism, (laughs) which is all about harmony uh, between the humans and nature and the earth and stuff like that, the yin and the yang again. Can't have good without bad, light without dark. All All that good stuff. And if you have too much of one or the other, you either can't see or you can't see. Yeah. Too bright or too dark. Either way, you can't see, right? <laughs> it's true. God, I'm deep. Uh, I think that they say the first place it appeared in text was in uh, the Naijing, which is the Yellow Emperor's Classic of Internal Medicine by Huang Di. I like how succinct the Chinese are in their language. Yeah, me too. Two words for Yellow Emperor's Classic of Internal Medicine. <laughs> yeah, Nijing. Two one-syllable words, even. And that's at uh, 300 BC, and uh, he described, Huang describes... Uh, diseases, and it was, from what I can tell, one of the first medical books to actually be written, and he described various acupuncture points in this book. Yep. So, boom, there it is. Boom. Then about 500 years later, um, acupuncture is is completely laid out in this 12-volume text called the um, Zen Zhu Ji Yi Jing, the Comprehensive Manual of Acupuncture and Moxibustion. Yeah, right? I didn't know about moxibustion. We'll get into that. That's kind of cool. But this comprehensive manual, like I said, it's 12 volumes, and it, it basically says, like, this point here will do all of this. you got this problem, right. put it right here, right? And mm-hmm. But there's only 365 acupoints. 
Yeah, early on, one for each day of the year. Yeah, and then eventually you're like, this is just stupid. There's 2,000. Let's just come out and say it. There's 2,000 yeah, actually points, right? I wonder if the 12 meridians had something to do with the 12 months. Maybe so. Yeah. Or the 12 days of Christmas. Or the 12 signs of the Zodiac. Perhaps. Uh, early on, instead of needle, well, they were needles, but they were made from stone and bone, which probably wasn't a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So they decided we should probably use metal, like bronze and gold and silver. And that worked for a little while. These days, it's stainless steel. Yeah. Thankfully. And now that you mention that, it occurred to me that we never defined acupuncture. Oh, everyone knows what it is, right? I thought everyone knew what roller derby was. <laughs> All right. Acupuncture is a, a Eastern medicine where the small needles are stuck into various points of the body and manipulated in certain ways or not. Yeah. And because you're living today, those are little tiny stainless steel hair, hair thin yeah. needles. Not like, you know, no, 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 knitting no. needles or anything. Not like a bone. No, but it was at a time. I already said that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so in the 19th century, early 19th century, uh, People started going to China and were introduced uh, to acupuncture, brought it back to the West and Europe to a certain degree. And, of course, the doctors in Europe, probably before the doctors in the United States, were like, hey, this is kind of neat. Let me experiment around, especially in France with Georges Soulet de Maron. Yeah, he was like the uh, champion of acupuncture in the West. But he went to China. Yeah. He's a scholar. Um, he went to China at the turn of the 20th century, which means the... 1800s to the 1900s, and he uh, saw firsthand that acupuncture worked, and um, he brought it back and and championed it in France. And France actually came up with their own type of acupuncture, didn't they? I bet it's because of him, actually. I would think so. Because he was probably the first dude to get it going. Right. Uh, Are we going to talk about that now, or you want to skip on to that later? We'll get to it in a second. Okay. Uh, Then it eventually, like all things, made its way to the United States, um, in the article, it said President Nixon's visit to China was a big deal as far as introducing a lot of Chinese ways to the States. Well, it was like China fever. Yeah. You know? The first blast of China fever. Right. And then in the U.S., there's a guy named James Reston who um, writes for the New York Times, or he did. And he had a, um appendectomy. Well, he had appendix mm-hmm. surgery, which I'd take to be appendectomy, right? I think so. Um, and, uh, he, he got acupuncture to treat, um, his pain and it worked. Yeah. And he wrote about it and that was the first mention. And now here we are today, right? Here we are. Um, it is viewed as a legitimate medicine, right? Yeah. I've got a stat that says, uh, 20 million Americans have undergone acupuncture, which is a lot higher than the article, but it may just be more recent. Right. Cause that was the 2002 National Health Survey. Yeah, and the FDA said that uh, Americans spent a half a billion dollars in the 90s alone on acupuncture. That is a lot of dollars. And that was the 90s. You know, now people are all kooky for this kind of stuff, so it's probably even more. I would think so. Not the cynical 90s. It was also legitimized in 1996 um, when the FDA decided that um, acupuncture needles should be considered uh, medical instruments. Yeah, that was a, a good thing. Yeah, it makes the whole process a lot safer now mm-hmm. because you have to use sterile needles. Yeah, disposable. Right, um, and, or or they have to be sterilized somehow. Like, you're not going to get an infection. And if you are, you're really going to the wrong acupuncturist. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, I would say so. Um, and uh, it, like you said, how many how many billions of dollars did we spend on it, Chuck? Half a billion, 500 million in the 90s. I know that's sort of an old stat, but, you know, the FDA... I don't even know what that means. I don't either. Uh, yeah, that's the stat they gave me. 
So, Chuck, uh, we've been focusing just on the Chinese version, although we did foreshadow that there's a French version, too. Yeah, TCM, traditional Chinese medicine. Yes, let's talk about the different kinds of acupuncture. Well, that's the Chinese kind. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It comes out of TCM. Right. And uh, there's the Japanese uh, counterpart. It's a little more subtle. Mm -hmm. Needles are generally a little shorter, a little thinner. Yeah. Uh, Don't pierce the skin as much. And there are two kinds, root and local. Obviously, root is if you treat the whole body for something. And then local. Yeah, local is when they, you know, get, like, I'll stick you in the ear to fix your foot. Um, Yumi lived in Japan for a little while, and she told me that there were two couples in her um, little province, little town, Uh um, that performed acupuncture. And both couples were blind. Really? Isn't that crazy? I would trust that. Yeah, it seems like it. Because, you know, you, you know the body, you feel around. Sure. For the points. Yeah, lots of touchy. Like if I need a, a doctor to have eyes to know where my kneecap is, then I don't want to be at that doctor. You should be able to feel your way around to the kneecap. Sure. <laughs> sure. All right, so uh, the five-element, that cracked Jerry up for some reason, five-element acupuncture is Chinese as well, and that treats the body and mind, and that's based on the idea uh, that the earth and body and everything in nature is governed by the five elements, water, wood, fire, earth, and metal. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of neat. Yes, and apparently you can um, manipulate the balance of these elements through acupuncture. Within yourself. Right. And then here, finally, everyone who's been hanging on for this one, this is the French one, auricular, right? Oh, yeah, that is the French one. Yeah, the the French um, apparently decided that the ear is all you need to do. Yeah. There's um, 200 uh, acupoints located on the ear that correspond to different parts of the body. And by manipulating these acupoints, you can do the same thing that um, can be done with traditional Chinese acupuncture. Yeah. Right? Um, and apparently that's kosher in China because uh, it's viewed, the ear is viewed as a sensitive spot for manipulating qi, the flow of qi. Interesting. Isn't it? Well, yeah. And with all the acupoints on the ear, it wonders how piercing affects that, you know? If there's one thing, if I could spend like, Five hundred dollars to uh-huh. do something to my body, it would be to cover up these old ear piercing holes. Yeah, I got one too, but mine's uh, looks so stupid. Yeah, I think about the dudes with the gauges. It's cool now, kids, but <laughs> and of course you don't want to be the old guy saying just wait till you're older. But it's one thing to have a tattoo you're not proud of, another thing to have like a big hole in your ear. Yeah, or yeah. both. Yeah, I think it's generally both, isn't it? Yeah, those kids. Uh, Korean hand acupuncture is, is, is the last one listed here. And that's essentially the same thing as the auricular, except it all goes through the hands. Right. And then Chuck, you mentioned moxibustion, right? Oh, did I? So moxibustion is, um, acupuncture. These are, we just mentioned the different types of acupuncture. There's also different things you can do while you have needles sticking out of your body. Yeah. These are related. Sure. Things that you can do. Moxibustion is one of those things. So um, this is the the stimulation of acupoints using heat, right? And moxa is an herb that comes from the mugwort plant. Mm-hmm. And traditionally, in Chinese medicine, um, you take about a rice grain size piece of moxa, put it on an acupoint, mm-hmm. and set that thing on fire. <laughs> yeah. And then let it burn and create pain and leave a scar. 
Now, this can be done in conjunction with the, the needle treatment as well. Is that right? No, I think this is in lieu of it. Unless oh, you're doing it. indirect. That's direct moxibustion, uh, unsurprisingly. Then there's indirect moxibustion, which is um, basically wrapping moxa in paper, lighting the paper, which you know makes the moxa smolder, and then holding it near an acupoint or wrapping moxa around an acupuncture ah, okay. needle, lighting that thing. Gotcha. Right? Uh, yes. You can also use uh, electroacupuncture or sonoacupuncture to either move an electrical current uh, through the needles, or in the case of sono, it's there are no needles, but you use sound to affect your acupoints. Right. When I went, they put a heat lamp over the needles to heat up the needles when, while they were in. When you went, yeah, I did acupuncture once. Awesome. Once. <laughs> Which kind of is not the point. You're supposed to go like. A chiropractor and get it, you know, until you're fixed. But yeah, I think I'd mentioned it once before. I, I found a cheap place in LA that had, it was like a school. You could get for like 10 bucks, you could get acupuncture. It was awesome. Was it? Oh, it was real relaxing. Why didn't you go back? Um, I'm, I wanted to, and then, you know, like some big job came up and it, I got distracted. It was one of those deals. Gotcha. It wasn't that I didn't believe in there. You set up like, huh? And ran out with all these needles <laughs> right. sticking out of your back. So, Chuck, you then know what to expect, right? I do. If you go get acupuncture. At least from this one lady. Okay. Did it follow kind of what the uh, the article details? Yeah, dim lights and uh, soothing uh, heat lamp. She left me alone, closed the door. I almost fell asleep. Yeah. On, the, on the CD player? Yeah, on low. <laughs> it was very relaxing. I think there was music, actually. So you're, well, yeah, sure. Deep purple. I mean, that was my experience. I've never been locally here. Well, we were talking about um, the acupoints, right? Mm-hmm. And how they correspond to different parts of the body, um, and they're actually mapped, right? It's yeah. not just like this sounds like this, so let's try your cornea. Yeah, it's, it's not like that. It's numbered out and charted. It's so. standardized. Sure, absolutely. So the 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 twelve meridians we talked about are um, they relate to different parts of the body, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got like the bladder, you have the kidney, the large intestine, the spleen, yeah, the gallbladder, yeah. Um, the liver, the pericardium, which is, what is that? It's over your heart, right? I think that's the covering of your heart. It's got cardio in there. It's got to be. Stomach, mm-hmm. heart. Okay. Man, now I, I'm second guessing myself on the pericardium. <laughs> Long, small intestine, and the triple heater, which. That's, that's the closer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got, you've got these different, these are the 12 meridians, and then, uh, there's, you know, different numbers corresponding to the different acupoints. Along that meridian. So, for example, you have uh, GB1 is a certain acupoint on the gallbladder meridian, okay? That's, yeah, but that's how it's spelled out. But that doesn't necessarily mean if I want to fix the gallbladder, I'm going to stick you in the gallbladder meridian. Precisely. You could stick stick it in the shoulder. Who knows? Uh, uh, an acupuncturist would know. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, what, when you go to an acupuncturist, when you have a malady, you're going to tell him or her what's going on. He or she's going to take a history. Um, get an idea of what your problem is. Like a regular doc- doctor. Right. And then consult this map and yeah. say, oh, okay, well, uh, this guy's having lower back pain, so I'm going to go stick some needles around um, the UB54 point. Yeah, I'm going to swab, gonna swab you. Acupoint. With some alcohol. Well, that's a big part of it, yeah. If I'm you're gonna, not swabbed with alcohol, get out of there. I'm going to take the needle out of the package so you know it's nice and new. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to stick uh, anywhere from 2, 3, 5 to 15 needles in some area that will correspond to that meridian right? And or you, to that pain. These needles are going to be stuck in anywhere from a quarter of an inch 
to three inches, which brings up a potential danger with uh, acupuncture. Organs. You have organs that are closer to your skin than three inches. Yeah. So you could conceivably have a kidney punctured, a lung punctured. This is why you want to go to a a certified acupuncturist. Yeah, and I want to say it's very rare, so don't let something like that scare you because we could tell you American surgical stories that are equally as horrifying, like they removed my kidney and they weren't supposed to, Right. that kind of thing. So don't think, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get stabbed through the lung with a needle. It, right. You know, it's, that's called a big, big mistake, and it happens in all medicine. Sure. Everybody stabs people through the lung with a needle. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's not – you might feel a little bit of pain with the initial uh, prick of the needle, but mm-hmm. after that, it's not like you feel the needle inside your body. Yeah, you said it was relaxing, right? It was very relaxing. I didn't even feel the needles going in, to be honest. Really? Just a little tap. Huh. And they're really tiny, the ones they used on me. Very, very thin. Uh, they'll leave it in there uh, five to 20 minutes. For me, it was about 20 minutes, I think. Mm-hmm. And they can stimulate them while they're in your uh, skin, like we said, with the various ways like heat, electricity, or they might even twirl them with their fingers. If they're feeling saucy. If they want to do it by hand. Um, you said that you're supposed to go more than once. I think the, the average is something like um, 12 weeks, once a week for 12 weeks. Yeah, it all depends on your issue. Which, if you're on Medicare, you're probably not going to do because it costs anywhere from 60 bucks to 120 bucks, probably more than that, yeah. um, for an acupuncture session, right? Yeah. Um, and if you have to go 12 times, you want insurance that's going to cover it. Unfortunately, Medicare doesn't, even though the federal government recognizes uh, acupuncture needles as medical instruments, right? Sounds like a bit of a double standard. It really does. Um, our insurance covers it. Actually, which is good. And a lot of uh, major insurance carriers cover it. I'm going to give it a try. Are you? I've been meaning to. You I've got this. Um, I have a uh, a muscle in my neck right here mm-hmm. that has turned into, you know, those um, metal cables Yeah. Uh-huh. that are braided. Uh-huh. I have one of those in my neck. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. I need to see if they can do something about that. Get you to walk around on that thing. She does. Yeah. But I mean, it's kind of like, oh, traffic or, right, you know. Right. Gotcha. Like, oh, this dozen eggs has one broken in it. <laughs> Something, you know? You need to relax, my friend. <laughs> I know. Oh, you know how that, they have that Tiger Heart place in uh, sort of Inman Park, Old Fourth Ward. It's on Edgewood. You should go there. It's an acupuncture? T- Tiger Heart acupuncture. <laughs> you getting kickbacks from them? <laughs> no, of course not. It's on my way to work, though, so. Um, is it safe, Josh? I know you mentioned the one, the one <laughs> issue with the... Stabbing through the organs, but other than that. Well, like you said, for the most part, it is very safe, especially now that it's uh, more regulated. Um, f- I think 40 states have some sort of standard yeah, and require that acupuncturists be certified. For the most part, um, and uh, this is news to me, there are a- plenty of Western physicians who yeah. um, who practice acupuncture. Yeah, you can be a, a med school doctor and practice acupuncture or... You can go through an acupuncture-only program. The cool thing about that is is it requires a lot more hours to get accredited without the medical degree. So Right. It's like two, two to 300, 200 to 300 hours if yeah. you're a doctor to become an accredited acupuncturist. If you're just doing the acupuncture thing, it's like 2,000 to 3,000 hours? Yeah. So that's, I mean, I would trust that for sure. That is a lot of hours. Yeah. And you have to do it within a certified master's program. Yes. So you have to be a smart person to, to be an acupuncturist, apparently. I would say so. Uh, you might bleed a little bit. Don't 
worry too bad. But if you do have a bleeding disorder, if you're on blood thinners, they recommend you probably shouldn't do it. Or if you have like a pacemaker or anything else regulating your heartbeat yeah. <laughs> electronically, yeah. it's probably not a good idea either. Because accidental electroacupuncture is not good. No. No. Um, so, Chuck, we've, we've shown that it is becoming more and more accepted in the West. But a- as far as hard science goes, Western hard science, the – well, I guess hard science is Western hard science, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, the jury is still out, right? And, yeah. But there's been a, a lot of studies um, that show, well, kind of mixed results, but there's been plenty that show, like this, this um, the one with the lazy eye, right. the lazy eye study, mm-hmm. the famous landmark lazy eye study <laughs> that just happened. Um, it, and there's been plenty of others that have shown that acupuncture definitely does work, right? Yeah, should we talk about those? Yes. Uh, osteoarthritis, uh, 2004, in the Annals of Internal Medicine, they found that acupuncture significantly reduced pain and improve function, and they studied uh, 294 patients, and this was in the knee, people with knee pain, and these were people that couldn't get help through regular medicine, and after eight weeks, they had far less pain in that affected knee. Yep. So that's one. Pain's one. That's an easy one. Sure. Because it's pain. Yeah. What about chemotherapy-induced nausea? Yeah, nausea period. Yeah, it turns out, as we said, nausea in general is is supposedly supposed to be has been shown to be aided by acupuncture. There's a 2000 study in uh, the JAMA, mm-hmm. right, um, the Journal of the American Medical Association, um, that that studied electroacupuncture in people, uh, well, 104 women with breast cancer who'd received um, high-dose chemotherapy, right? Yeah. And they found that um, the women with the acupuncture had about a third of the vomiting episodes of women who did not receive acupuncture for treatment. Yeah, and they were both on nausea-reducing medicine. Right. But anyone who's ever had chemo can tell you that a lot of times that stuff does not work. Yeah. And then a a meta-analysis of 11 different studies found that nausea in general, like similar results for any kind of study of acupuncture relieving nausea. Right? That's right. And fertility? Fertility, uh, if you're undergoing in vitro fertilization, there was a study in 06, in 06, in the Fertility and Sterility Journal, which is a hoot to read. <laughs> and uh, they said that women undergoing acupuncture had an 8 to 18% uh, more likelihood, better chances of getting pregnant. Not bad. The problem is they also were slightly more likely to miscarry than the non-acupuncture group. Yeah, I want a percentage there. They didn't give one. That bothered me. What slightly mean? So like point one or something or one or two? Slightly is journalism for... For I don't have the numbers right, in front of me. Exactly. <laughs> uh, fibromyalgia? <laughs> yeah, fibromyalgia. The Mayo Clinic, buddy. Yeah, 2006, they did a study of 50 patients um, and found that the uh, symptoms of fibromyalgia that uh, include muscle pain, fatigue, uh, joint stiffness, uh, were significantly helped. It's another journalism. Right. What is significant? Significant is that's a lot. Greater than one. <laughs> uh, I've got a couple of more quickie graph stats here. Um, they did some um, asking of questions, polling of people who had acupuncture. <laughs> Boy, it is 2011, isn't it? We've been Boy, off. Boy, it is. This is a rough one. Um, they asked people how satisfied they were with their acupuncture treatment, and 24% said- Somewhat satisfied, very <laughs> satisfied. Yeah, exactly. Uh, somewhat satisfied led with 34%. 24% were extremely satisfied, and only 8% were not at all satisfied. 
Those people are never satisfied. <laughs> that should have been the last question. Are you ever satisfied with anything? Right. Are yeah. you are you a jerk? Are you satisfied with this question? Uh, besides <laughs> acupuncture, have you ever utilized any other treatment based on traditional Chinese medicine? And 80% said no. Wow. So even if you don't believe in it, you know, doesn't mean you won't go lay down on the table and get stuck with needles. And that's really the only interesting ones on here, actually. So we've got this, um, well, all this information, all these studies that show that it works, polls, Journal of the American yeah. Medical Association, all this stuff. But the problem is people still poo-poo it. There's still yeah. a lot of um, a lot of skeptics uh, who view acupuncture the way others may view hypnosis. Yeah. And that the underlying mechanism isn't chi or hormones or neurotransmitters. It's the placebo effect, right? Yeah. And that's tough because with placebo in... Uh like a pill, you just get a pill that probably looks like the other pills. For acupuncture, they're going to stick you with needles, right. but they're not going to stick you in the acupoints. They're going to they're going to skip your acupoints purposefully. So, you know, you get these needles stuck in you, you might think I'm getting better. Yeah, placebo but it's as, that's the same as any placebo effect, though, True. because you have you're still getting a pill that you don't know whether or not it's going to work. The, I think the the larger point rather than poo-pooing medicine and, and the placebo effect, is investigating how to manipulate the placebo effect. Because if we can heal our own bodies without drugs or sticking ourselves with needles or doing whatever, yeah, um, then why not? You Power know, the mind. It still has the same effect. True. Huh. Good point. Like, can we end this now? Yeah, that's all I got. Acupuncture is uh, give it a, give it a shot if you want to give I it will. a try. And I'm definitely going to do it. No, I was talking to everyone, but I know you were specifically Josh. Give it a try. <laughs> um, we uh, want to go ahead and apologize for this one. It's the first one that we've recorded <laughs> oh, in bad. a couple. Of, oh, it's bad. Oh, cable neck. I'm Come sure on. Jerry will. Uh, oh, we'll, we'll wash it out. <laughs> I can't pronounce words. <laughs> um, if you want to learn more about acupuncture and see one really superfluous chart. You should type in acupuncture. That's one C uh, in the handy search bar, HowStuffWorks.com, which means it's time for listener mail. Yes, Josh, this is a homelessness email, and we got a lot of response for the homelessness show, ranging from I'm homeless to you guys are great, thank you for highlighting this, to hey, it's not my responsibility to care for uh, veterans on the street. Mm-hmm. I had a guy actually say that to me in one of his replies that I, I had engaged him in. <laughs> Regardless of what you believe, if you're saying it's not my responsibility to care for homeless vets on the street, then I don't know. But I did go off. I, I just want to say one thing. I went off on CEOs at the end pretty harshly, and I should have been more specific. I was referencing a story I'd read that day about, uh, and I wish I would have looked it up, but I didn't have time. These Certain CEOs were in the news that day for taking these huge bonus, record bonus payouts in the middle of the uh, financial crisis while their employees were being laid off. Mm-hmm. I read this. I come in and sit down and read about, talk about homeless uh, people on the streets. I got a little hot under the collar, which uh, I should have been more specific in what I was criticizing because I'm certainly not criticizing all CEOs, and I'm not saying that they're to blame for homelessness or it's their job to fix homelessness. It's everybody's job to fix homelessness. And I wasn't clear enough in that, so I wanted to clear that up. Well put, Chuckers. Thank you. That's great. Was that it? A lot of CEOs do a lot of, you know, big-time donating. There's one guy who runs a carpet 
Carpet manufacturer. Dalton Carpets in Georgia? No. No? I can't remember his name, but he's like the greatest CEO of all time. Really? He's a good guy. I hope to be a CEO one day. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, are you kidding me? I'm not cut out for it, man. Got to hire and fire. I couldn't do anything. No way. All right, so with that, uh, I'm going to read a, a, a letter from a homeless person. Um, hello, guys. My name is blank. I told her I wouldn't read it. Uh, the podcast on homelessness really hit home with me. I'm a single mother of two. I've been homeless on and off for the past three or four years. I've always had a job, but my divorce basically bankrupted me, and I've had to start all over again. I think she's married to a CEO. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Um, I became homeless again uh, back in March 2010, and by June 2010, I was finally selected from about 1,800 people in the city of Tulsa to be approved for Section 8. So I feel like now I'm finally on my way to permanence. Uh, this whole thing has affected my kids greatly, uh, but we're managing to stick it out. I believe there is stress of divorce and the stress of being homeless. It's caused my son to have lower test scores in school. My daughter's doing okay, but most likely because she was only one when her father and I divorced. My son was three. Uh, anyway, I just thought you might like to hear from one of your fans. It is true that getting assistance is very difficult. There just aren't enough funds to go around, and I know how it feels to be invisible. Uh, people at my work have no idea that one of their own employees was homeless, and they still don't. And it's not something I like to broadcast. It's really very embarrassing. Just know that homeless people may be working, but they won't say they're homeless because of embarrassment. Better get back to work. I would say so, too, so you can keep that job. Uh, thanks for your great podcast, and thanks for listening to me as well. So that's a great example of one of the many emails we got. It is. It is. very. Thank you very much, Blank. And I have to say I'm conflicted because we spend a large part of the homelessness podcast like railing about how they shouldn't be treated as anonymous or invisible. And, and Blank wrote in and said, don't use my name. <laughs> uh, let's see. If you have a uh, – I don't want to hear about acupuncture. I don't want to hear about – what do you want to hear about, Chuck? Something. Give us something good. It's been so long since we had something Good. Uh, what about, the, I was talking about um, uh, American surgery horror stories. If you've ever known anyone that Ooh, nice. had like the wrong organ removed, yeah, let's hear about that. That's good stuff. Uh, if you have a wrong organ removal story, and we know someone out there does, because we asked for a sinking ship story, got two. Plus a plain one. Yeah. Um, you want to send it in an email, right? Stuff podcast at How Stuff Works. We're so sorry about this one. Com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you